Remember this? How about this? This? Surely you've heard this before. Besides being some of Australia's premier rock talent, there's a connection that ties these acts and countless others together. Today, find out the history of this bond and some of the work and idea creation that went on and carries on behind the scenes of the Australian rock industry. That's coming up this week on the Mojo Radio Show. I got my mojo working, but it just won't work on you. Hey everybody and welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. It's the show about helping you get your mojo working. Now if you've got it working, how do you keep it working? If you don't have it working, how do you get it working? And we're all about talking to the best of the best, things that we find people and things we find interesting that we can share with you to help you make sure that in every part of your life, whether it be health, fitness, creativity, work, leadership, strategy, whatever it may be, Stuff that we think can help you make sure your mojo is working to the best of its ability. And with me here in the studio, the man behind the panel, Robbo. How are you doing today, buddy? Doing really well. All pumped up for a huge show today. It's going to be a great show today, mate, isn't it? I'm pumped. Pumped. Uh, mate, that, uh, that, that T-shirt you're wearing, <laughs> tell me about that. Well, I'll be honest with you. It's actually one of my favourite T-shirts, mate. It's, uh, it's a photo of Chrissy Amphlett of the Divinals in one of her classic pose, onstage poses. But um, the photo is actually by a guy called Tony Mott, who is uh, an, a famous, uh, well, Australian slash English uh, rock and roll photographer. He, uh, he was born in England and moved out here and, um, and became, came to fame for uh, a photo he took for uh, a Divinals tour poster. But um, since then has gone on to, you know, photograph the Rolling Stones in excess, you know, some of the biggest bands in the world all live on stage. And, and that's what he's renowned for is, is his photographic work of, uh, of bands on stage. Um, TonyMott.com, if you're interested, um, he's awesome. He's, some of his photography is just amazing. I'm loving it. You've had it for a while, haven't you? Yes. Because it's a tad tight. Yeah, maybe I had one too many burritos last night. <laughs> Too many hours sitting behind the panel in the yeah. studio is what I'm reckoning, but it Too many lattes. Like a, looks more like a tank, tank top than it doesn't. Anyway, let's not go there. <laughs> let's get into... Um, I don't want to waste any time today because I am super excited mm. because, um, you know, with you and I coming out of the days of Triple M and the like, this um, our guest today is rock royalty. And rather than do a normal intro, I'm going to read you the inside sleeve of a book that I've got called The House of Hits by Jane Albert, because it just says it all to me. So, few, if any, of ACDC's fans would know the band's unmistakable brand of raucous, hard rock, hardcore rock, was delivered to the world via a small Australian family music publishing business called Albert's. In fact, the lives of all of us, all us Aussies, have been touched in some way by the Alberts through sheet music, Radio, uh, bands like the Easy Beats, John Paul Young, Billy Thorpe and the Aztecs, mate, the classics, the Angels. Who could forget? Uh, uh, and it gets even better. Rose Tattoo, ACDC, and <laughs> the film Strictly Ballroom. So who was behind the business that's quietly been shaping Australia's musical landscape, our culture, our entertainment and media for most of its existence? It started as an unassuming watch and clock repair shop in Newtown in really? Sydney in 1885. Wow. 
And today, Albert Music is one of Australia's oldest family-owned and run businesses, which is now in its fifth generation of ownership. Yet few people have heard of the company or know anything of the family that still runs it because they've never really told their story before until now. So this book was kind of telling the story and we have got one of the few interviews with the guy who's behind it running the whole thing now, fifth generation business. So um, Dave Albert of Albert Music, mate, welcome to the program. Thank you, Gary. Good to be here. Hey, this is um, just an extraordinary story. I mean, how does it... Just tell me, what's it like to run a company that's got so much history, 150 years old? Uh, at times, it can be a little bit daunting, actually. Uh, and in part, um, that's because, you know, we, uh, we continually think about, you know, what does the future look like? And particularly from a music perspective, you know, where, um, you know, where, does it, where where's it go and where's it heading and, and what part do we play? But uh, look, I came into the company 10 years ago and, and the main reason I came in was because uh, having got my head around sort of the history and what you know, sort of my forebears and family and you know sort of various members of the company who worked here you know had done it uh, it was such an exciting opportunity you know to sort of look at what what does the future you know hold and what does the next chapter look like so uh, yeah look it's a, it's a combination of excitement and uh, and at times it's been pretty daunting um, but you know when you you think about Sort of where the business has been and, and the, the mm. part I think it's played in sort of the Australian media landscape and entertainment. Uh, yeah, it's um, it, it's also incredibly exciting, and it's, I think it's a rare opportunity for someone to get that chance to do it. So, um, one thing that I wanted to talk to sort of start with, and we, I mean, I've got and I, Robbo, we both got a stack of questions to ask mm. you about the business and the history and so on. But one thing that I've always been interested in is when quite often I meet people who are in family businesses and. I know there are associations and forums that get together now to discuss the intricacies of being in a family business. And what would you say are some of the key learnings you've taken out now as a, as a leader of the business being, and you've got other family members who are involved in the business, what would be some of the key learnings you've taken out that people could take if they are in or about to go into business with family members? Uh, look, I think one of one of the things that we've really sort of tried to get our head around is just finding that balance between between family and business, mm. and it's it's you know it's sort of how do you uh, you know one of the, one of the one of the real benefits of a family business is you can think very much in the long term. You know, a lot of the people that uh, a lot of the other companies that we uh, you know deal with or you know are our competitors are a bit more sort of almost quarterly, you know, driven by quarterly results and driven by the bottom line. You know, sort of almost. Month in, month out. The beauty for us is that we can have a we can have a long term view. The flip side of that is you've got to be very careful that you also create a culture that you know, is you know, high performance and that you know sort of drives towards the right results. So I think a big part of a big part of the beauty of what you can achieve with family business is is the cultural aspect of it. Mm. Um, but but it's a real balance, you know, sort of between between getting the right results, making sure that you know you are you are achieving best practice. Um, but that you also, you know, have an environment where, um, you know, there are some of that. What what makes I think families tick, and you know, something what may has made our family tick is is very close relationships, very respectful relationships, and um, you know, particularly in you know, my dad's generation, which there was there was dad and his two brothers. You know, we spent a lot of time together when we were young, and and that sort of created a very strong bond and sort of collegiate feel in the um, uh, in the family now. 
you know, I've worked, I've worked sort of in commercial business, and I've worked now in you know, our family business for ten years. And look, it's definitely there, there are definitely uh, strengths with both of them. Yeah. But I, I do think with a with a family business, and if you've got you know generally shareholders and stakeholders who are aligned, um, you know, you've just got a bit more time and a bit more space to be able to make decisions, and and that allows you to give things a bit more of a, a bit more of a go, and uh, a bit you know you get a bit more flexibility in in sort of that regard. Do the staff? Do you think the staff feel that family history, Dave? Like since 1885 is a heck of a lot of history and stories. Do you think the staff get that respected? Is it a part of the recruitment process? I mean, is it something that you you look for that people will fit that full family story and values? Uh, look, I think they do. It's um, you know for the younger the younger sort of people in here who are sort of in their mid twenties or early early to mid twenties, uh, you know the history mostly is a little bit you know a little bit less relevant. Um, mm. But there is you know I think within the music industry there is a there's a a very positive sort of level of respect for the company, and that I think that does does sort of roll through. You know, there's a thing called the Ted Albert Award, which um, the Apple Board of Directors give out each year, and that you know, is a reflection on my uncle Ted, who had a who had a fantastic reputation. Um, and you know, with things like the book, and we've recently celebrated 50 years of our production, mm. our record label, you know, those sorts of stories, I think. And some of some of the things people say about the business and, and say about the way we operate, I think they do resonate, you know, with people. But you need you need to have a lot more than that. You know, you can't just rely on your past because, yeah, um, yeah, you know, the past yeah. is the past. So the, I yeah. think the goal with with you know that we sort of focused on over the last few years is is trying to balance up, you know, a, a sort of a, a, a history with some great stories with some currency and and you know a view to the future. So. Um, yeah, a little bit of both. And we've, you know, we've got some staff members here who have been here 35, 40 years, and they bring mm. a great deal of, you know, respect, and they, you know, they have a, a connection to the past, and so they can. They're some of the storytellers, I guess. Uh, and the book that you quoted from, you know, it was a really, a, a sort of a really good opportunity, I think, for for us as a family, but also as us as a business, to just to reflect on, you know, the um, the role that the, the companies played and. And the people and the individuals and the talent and the music that's, um, you know, it's, uh, I think it has had some impact on you know, Australia's history and maybe even, you know, international sort of entertainment history. It's a good point though, isn't it? Because you can't, you can't dwell too much on 150 years of history. You have to be aware of that, but also you need to have a, a dream and the, and the future perspective to keep, keep people on track, isn't it? So that's, I think, it's, I think that's gold. I think it's a really good point. Hey Dave, just just quickly. Yeah, um, I, I, we just talked about we've got to look to the future. But a question that's always interested in me is Gary in the intro talked about all these amazing bands that Alberts have been associated with. What do you think was the reason for the so much success in those days with the Angels, Rose Tattoo, all those bands that we mentioned before? It. I think it was an unbelievable moment in time which very difficult you know very difficult to replicate and you know it was built on on my uncle ted it was built on george young and harry vander and it was built on the three of them having this incredible um sort of synergy and and like-minded approach uh, and each of them brought you know quite different skills um you know, each of them you know, ted i guess had the backing of the family business george and harry who were incredible songwriters and producers but also had experienced you know sort of the easy beats and both the highs and the lows of the easy beats and they could actually bring that you know into an environment back in Australia that you know they'd been in the UK um, they'd written hit songs um, and it, it just was this, com- this unbelievable combination of um, of individuals they looked for they looked for 
for you know uh, bands who had great frontmen. They looked for bands who were hardworking. They looked for bands who uh, had a, a particular sound, and they looked for bands who wanted to make a career out of music. Um, you know, I think what are, one of the really interesting parts of, of that sort of era was the number of um, of the artists who'd come who arrived from overseas. So there was a real story of you know, and that I guess you know is also part of the Albert story. You know, we've come from come from. Um, you know, Europe many, many years ago, but, uh, you know, whether it's, again, Harry Vander or the Youngs or, um, you know, members of Rose Tattoo, members of the Angels, there's some incredible stories and, and, you know, without getting too political, I think it's a great example of where people from, you know, other countries have come to come to Australia and just made such a, you know, an important mark in our, you know, in our sort of musical landscape. Mm. Well, not you part know, of the Alberts uh, family, but Jimmy Jimmy Barnes falls into that category as well, doesn't he? Jimmy Barnes is a great example, absolutely mm. great example. Mm. And you know, the whole era of music was made up of, um, you know, a whole raft of of individuals, uh, many of who had you know had come from other parts of the world and brought skills and stories and experiences from mm. there. Mm. I remember hearing a story um, about Bon Scott um, having trouble writing the words for the long way to the, t- it's a long way to the top and walking into FIFA Riccobono's office there at Albert's records and sitting in the corner and finishing off the lyrics. So the family sort of values obviously sort of perpetrated through the music writing process as well. Well, FIFA, FIFA's an interesting, uh, interesting person you bring up because she, you know, she was a really important part of, of, mm. you know, the, of that time. And, you know, she still, still does some work with us and, you know, we catch up, we catch up regularly. Mm. And she's a, she's a great story from the perspective of, you know, being a female in what was, was then and you know, arguably is still quite a, you know, quite a male, male driven industry, you know, for her to, um, you know, to have the impact she had both, you know, sort of on the business, uh, you know, with ACDC and being very heavily involved from a sort of marketing promotion side. And then, you know, when Ted passed away, my uncle in, in 19, 1990, you know, she stepped in to run the music business at Albert's. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she's, she's a great story. But, uh, yeah, it was, you know, there's some, there's some, some funny anecdotes of, of that sort of mixture of hard, ballsy rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Albert family who, you know, in, in certain ways was quite, you know, all very traditional. Mm-hmm. Um, and somehow the two just were able to inter, intermix and intermingle, and I think a, a big part of that was was Ted, because Ted was Ted was just um, you know, one of those people that made people very at ease, and he you know, he had no particular pretenses, uh, and he loved absolutely loved music, he loved sound, he loved mm-hmm. recording, and uh, you know that was as I said before, that was just what made I think the. Um, that whole time, um, as special as it was. Mm. Do you know, it's interesting with that. There's, there's a couple of things to add here. <clears throat> we, with the show, we like to give people stuff they can actually take out and do. And hearing you talk, Dave, about that, the leadership during that time, and you said there was a synergy amongst them. They, they, were, they were different, but they were like-minded. And you just said that Ted, you know, absolutely loved music and loved what he was doing. It, it, regardless of what industry you're in, the leadership of the business has to have the same synergy and like-minded beliefs, although they can be different, but they have to have that and they have to really love what they do. That it, it, it's, It'd be an interesting checklist for those involved in running, um, whether it be a charity or a, you know, a social profit or an entrepreneurial business or a large business, isn't it? Because that's the same principles apply. Oh, absolutely right. And one of the things which you know, using ACDC almost as a as a as a case study, uh, you know, Angus and Malcolm from from a very early age, you know, were absolutely committed. You know, they had this vision to be, if not you know, the greatest, but a, a great 
rock band. They they were willing to you know stop at nothing to do that. Uh, the people they put around them, whether it was managers or other you know, other musicians, um, you know, they were continually looking to to get the best. They you know, they set set out on this on this path. They worked their absolute backsides off. They were incredibly loyal to you know fans, and you know that sort of I guess you could you could reflect on that you know from a client perspective. Um, they they looked at the market. They're, they're incredibly smart businessmen in understanding, um, you know, sort of what's happening in the in the broader market. They you know, are continually looking at um, at trends and not necessarily following trends, but making decisions you know, about how they do do things in regards to those trends. So, you know, I think ACDC and 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 Malcolm and Young, Malcolm and Angus Young particularly, um, you know, you could you could use that as a real basis of any any business in the way that in the way they think and. You know, the stories of in the early days, they played two, three, four shows a day. Um, they'd be continually, you know, recording music, putting out you know, new albums, um, and you know, they would stop at nothing to uh, to achieve you know, a very clear goal in their minds. And you know, Angus, all Angus ever wanted to do really was to be a great guitarist. And you know, uh, you, you talk to anybody who was around, you know, him at the time, and he never, he never didn't have that guitar with him. So uh, you know, I think that that to me is. You could you could use that to sort of look at any sort of type of business, and and they you know they were they were, they were true leaders. Great story, yeah, great story. It's um now Phil Phil Rudd was the drummer, right? That's right. For a period, because I saw him, I saw the story that Dick Wilkins did on the fiftieth anniversary. Yep, and I think it was the same day or the following day they interviewed Phil, who's got an album out, I think, at the moment, and just echoing what you said about Angus and Malcolm. When he was interviewed, Phil Rudd said, I'm the best rock and roll drummer in the world. Just deadpan, straight to camera. And he said, that's what I believe. Yep. And he said, playing with the best rock and roll band in the world. And it was just this, it's just this centred belief. And he didn't really care if anybody else believed it, but that's what he believed. The dream was to be the greatest rock and roll band in the world. And I reckon if you, you said before they had a great front man, hard work, wanted to make a career out of music, you could apply that template to any business, whether it's making cupcakes, building furniture or repairing cars. It's such a great model, isn't it, to believe in yourself, have a dream, work hard, um, essentially be a thought leader in terms of having a good front man, which is what a good CEO or a good entrepreneur does and want to make a career out of it um, rather than just, you know, making money and stuff. It's, um, that's really good, Dave. I reckon there's a lot in that for, for everybody. I think also um, because it, it can sound almost almost arrogant in regards to, you know, sort of their approach, but it is not arrogance. It is, it is just, you know, self-belief. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a big difference between the two because, you know, if you get arrogant, uh, and, and the one thing, um, you know, you could never say about, Malcolm and Angus is they are not arrogant individuals. In fact, they are the absolute opposite, the antithesis to that. But they just have this self belief, and um, you know, self belief and hard work uh, and a vision. You know, those three things are. Uh, you know, and I think back to, to you know, sort of using Ted Albert as an example when he set the record label up in 1964. You know, his his vision was to put Australian acts onto the international stage, and uh, you know, with songs like "Lovers in the Air" with. Yeah, you know, with some of the work with, uh, or a lot of the work with, you know, ACDC. You know, that was his vision. Again, he wasn't he wasn't mm. arrogant about it. He just had he had self belief. He got the mm. right people around him. You know, with people like George and Harry, 
in FIFA. Um, you know, we had the studio set up, which wasn't, you know, it wasn't over the top, but it was, you know, there was four or five studios that were working 24-7. Um, so, no, I, uh, you know, I think that's um, there's some really, some useful takeouts from that. Hey, um, Robbo and I both are Triple M um, tragics for as you know, for, for many, many years. And we were just talking before the show, we worked on a number of launches of albums um, for ACDs for our, our time with the M's and stuff. And it was just the best, you know, the best era of music and radio and everything else. Um, we're not going to sort of, I know we're not going to spend the whole show talking about this, the greatest rock band in the world, but from your own perspective, Dave, what's it like? Because you guys have had this catalogue for a long, long time. You've seen so much go on. And you've got in your vaults, you know, the, the the iconic Australian rock, if not world, history of this band. It, for you personally, what's it like working with a brand, a band, and the personalities that are ACDC? Uh, it's it's an absolute privilege. Um, mm. And, you know, it, it sounds sort of you know, a bit trite, but you've got to pinch yourself every now and then. It's, um, and it's a privilege in part because of just the um, of their reputation of uh, of the way they operate and because of their loyalty uh, you know they mm. have been incredibly loyal to us um, you know over 40 years and uh, you know that that really sort of makes us um, you, know, you know I think in our minds it ensures that we we manage the parts of their, of their business that we manage not all of their business but the parts you know on the on the publishing uh, and the recording side in Australia you know to the absolute you know, sort of absolute best practice, and it's you know when you when you when you're working with uh, an artist of their status, then you've got to make sure that the way you operate, you know, reflects that. And you know, one of the things that we really sort of try and um, you know focus on in here is that um, you know we have we have this opportunity, we have this relationship, we've got to manage it to the absolute, you know, sort of utmost or the best of our ability and uh, and ensure that, you know, we, we provide sort of the supporting part to their their sort of their business activity. So yeah, it's it's a it's a rare privilege and it's it's one which we take very, very seriously. Can That's I so cool. can I quickly ask you if, if you think back to the history of ACDC, you know, we had strong live scene back then. Um, obviously your records, you went to the local record store and had to physically buy it. In general, for the music industry, what sort of future do you see, given that live venues are becoming rarer than hen's teeth and piracy being such a big issue? How do you see the music industry facing those challenges moving forward? Uh, look, it's, it is definitely a, a, an ever-changing industry. It's an industry which is a you know sort of a coal face because of, um, I guess, the nature of music and the, and the fact that the, the file you know file sharing is is, is so simple. Mm. Um, you know, the when you look back at the last 15, 20, 25 years, there was no doubt that the CD era was an absolute you know, sort of boom for mm. the business, and and that's a, a boom which has passed. Mm. Uh, you know, we have we have great faith in. Uh, the streaming services, and you know, you look at um, businesses like Spotify mm. uh, and you know Beats, which have just been, which has just been bought by by Apple. Um, you know, they need to bite, and they need to get more traction. They need scale, mm. um, but more people than ever, you know, are listening to music. Mm. Um, you know, when you look at uh, APRA, um, who collect on the performing right side. Mm-hmm. 
their their actual numbers are growing. Um, yeah. So it's not it's not sort of all doom and gloom. You know, more as I say, more people are ever listening to music. Yeah. Um, we've just got to continue to educate uh, on the importance of actually paying it. You know, you, you don't need to pay a lot, but you need to pay something. Yep. Now, in some respects, that's somewhat of a challenge. So I think you know, the younger generation uh, are used to getting their music for free. Um, but if there's you know the right services out there and they're easy to access and um, you know they're at the right price point, then mm. I think there's a, you know there's a there's a there's a great opportunity in in the future. We just got to realise that it's a it's a different scale of business or. Mm. Uh, you know, there's a lot of the growth has, has come out of it, but you know, touring is still is there's still plenty of touring happening. Um, mm. Yeah, the, the live side is a challenge because of the um, some of the restrictions on noise and mm. you know and other things. Um, but music is a, music uh, as as part of our lives is is bigger and better than ever. It's mm. uh, it's the, the challenge is how to actually you know continue to evolve it and to and to be able to make sure those people investing in music um, you know are able to get sort of enough of a return to continue to invest in it. Mm. There's been a bit of research, and hasn't there? I drove past the um, the Bridge Hotel in Roselle the other day, and I think the lineup on the front board at the front of the Bridge Hotel was um, James Rain. There was My Sex. Um, there was someone else up there, another another great eighties act. So um, there's hopefully some some future oh, for the live music. Was it Mark Williams? It might have been Mark Williams. Yeah, because I saw James and Mark uh, at the airport. The other day, and I thought that must have been in the road, so it must be okay. with my sex. There you huh. go. Look at me. Well, hey, um, and, and it's a, just on that, it's a timely reminder of of why catalogs, great catalogs, and um, yeah, these career artists, uh, you know, sort of stand the test of time because mm. they have songs which which resonate yeah. and, and which you know which survive over time because they are songs which people connect with and. Um, you know, great catalogs, whether it's the Beach Boys or whether it's you know, Australian Crawl or whoever it might be. You know, mm. There are songs in there which you, know, you, you you'll be able to hear in ten or fifteen years' time, and, and you'll still want to listen to. And that's yeah, you know, that's part of the challenge I think of the, the business today. And some of the music is, um, uh, you know, it needs. I think there needs to be that focus on 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 writing and and recording and producing that that will ensure that music sort of yeah you know, does stand the test of time because great catalogs are you know are an important part of the business. It's interesting, isn't it? Because um, no disrespect to Shannon, but you wonder whether in 20, 30 years' time someone would be doing an interview like this going, oh, you know, sh- remember Shannon Knoll and la di da di da in the same sort of way we talk about your ACDCs and road tatto- Rose Tattoos and the Angels and stuff. Yeah, but there's, you know, there are certainly artists out there at the moment who, um, and you know, someone like Lord, who obviously is very early still in her career, but... Mm. You know her songwriting um, is is phenomenal. Um, so you know I think there are um, there are artists and writers around at the moment who who are you know, who are writing at that level. Mm. Um, but it's just there's you know Sia uh, Sia being a great example. She's mostly Australia's greatest songwriter at the moment. You know she sort of is pretty low key in, in regards to her sort of her public performances. But she's writing, you know, with sort of the who's who of um, some of the international stars, and mm. you know, her album came out recently, and I'm pretty sure went to number one on the the, the, uh, the Billboard. Uh, so, you know, there are some great songwriters around, there's some great songs around. Mm. It's just getting you know, harder and harder because there's, you know, whether it's YouTube or whether it's streaming services, etc. Um, there's more and more music being, you know, being made available. Mm. And radio doesn't make it very easy, though, does it? Well, you know, the, the more Australian, more more Australian radio. Sorry, the more Australian music we can get on the radio, the better. Mm, and that agreed. is definitely somewhat of a challenge at the moment. Yeah. You know, yes. Triple J plays a huge part and plays a really important part in mm. in finding mm. new talent and developing 
you know, new talent putting you know, Australian talent in front of people. But um, yeah, look, absolutely, we need we need to find ways of getting more Australian music on yeah. Australian radio. But um, yeah, there are other ways for people to hear music. Dave, can I just ask you about the songwriting? Because this is interesting, just from the people listening to the show. Um, on the songwriting for a bit, there's been a lot written now um, uh, and, and talked about in podcasts and so on, how um, in the future brands, companies, businesses, websites are going to have to have more effort put into the content, the writing, blogging, um, books in the future, websites in the future, products in the future, probably driven by a number of brands now are going to have to become more beautiful and become better presented as opposed to just thrown out there and hoping the product is good enough to survive. So there's a lot more now in the packaging and so on. Tell me, um, there'd be people now who should look at their website who've written cliched crap copy, who should be thinking more like a songwriter. In your own mind, having seen years and years of wonderful songwriters and probably some crap ones, in your own mind, what do you think of the creative secrets behind people writing great, great, great lyrics, great words, great emotions? So, how do you, how do you, what do you think the secrets are behind the creativity there? I'm honestly almost the worst person to ask about um, about <laughs> the, the creative side and the songwriting side because it's an absolutely foreign uh, skill from uh, from what I can do, um, and therefore I'd say anybody who writes a song, you know, has my um, has my <laughs> utmost sort of level of respect. Um, but I look, I do think uh, that songwriting is um, it's something which is very personal and. And people do it in different ways at different times. You know, some people like to write at two in the morning. Other people like to write, you know, sort of the first thing when they get up. Um, I guess going back to sort of the example of sort of George Young and Harry Vander, um, it's about having, I think, a very, very, um, you know, setting a very high bar uh, because mm. of the amount of, of quality or the amount of, of music which is out there. Uh, I think collaboration is really important and finding other people to write with. And one of the things that we've done here over the last few years is, is we had a, some songwriting camps where you'd get you know sort of songwriters both internationally and locally um, and across various genres to to write together and you know that for some songwriters was quite confronting but it, it really opened their minds as to just different ways of thinking and different ways of um, different ways of doing things and different ways and different sounds um, but I, I think a part of it is you've you've just it's 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 having you know very high standards it's about not putting music out there until you know you feel it's of a standard that you know should be heard because you know nowadays once you put something out in the public uh, it's it's there forever it's um you know it's not just sitting on a tape somewhere it's sitting you know it might be on youtube it might be yeah on your facebook you know whatever it is um so i i think the i think the collaboration is important i think the um, the the focus on sort of on quality is important and the focus on your fan base is important. Such a good point, you know, Robbo, because people could apply that to blogs and particularly websites. Like they're not mm-hmm. setting a high enough bar. They just they just write the same crap as everybody else and it's basically mm-hmm. just writing it to get it done. They don't think about the time of the day to write a website. They don't think about whether it's 2 in the morning, 12 o'clock at night, Eight o'clock in the morning. Absolutely, um, and they don't understand that once they publish it, that's it's such. I mean, you could take this out and apply it not just to songwriters, but in any area, even like you know, business and and you know, the Voodoo Sound website and yep, anything at all. I mean, you talk to some of the great ad agency writers and all that sort of stuff, and they'll all have a process and a time and a and a way they do do things. Definitely, um, Dave, we're going to um, 
let you uh, get on with your day. Before we go, we've got a couple of rapid-fire questions for you. Sure. Um, we, we, it would be remiss of Robbo and I to not hit you with this question, but what is your favourite ACDC track? Uh, it would have to be Back in Black because it was played at our um, – and not live, unfortunately, but it was uh, it was played at our wedding reception. So um, <laughs> I'm not too sure if Back in Black was quite the right title, but uh, yeah, Vic, my wife, and I walked into our reception to Back in Black. So, um, nice. it, uh, and it's one of those songs which, uh, you know, it's I think for anyone who uh, has you know sort of rock and roll on their body, they hear that song and it just it just means rock and roll. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's one of those songs that's not even you don't even have to get through the first bar to turn exactly up the volume. Right. Exactly, and we actually had it on loop, so for about five minutes, it just looped that awesome that first riff. So, hey, um, just going to digress, Robert. What's your favourite track? Ooh, whole lot of Rosie. Oh, man, you and I are in sync. We're, yeah. in, we're in simpatico. Yeah, I think so. I think that's got to be up there. Uh, but back in black, I mean, there's so many riffs. Yeah, I mean, you talk absolutely. about songs, but you can talk about riffs and go on forever, though, can't you? Yeah, absolutely. My word. Um, okay, so, Dave, um, you're across the music industry. Just give us a couple of acts that we should check out or keep an eye out for that, in your mind, you think have got their mojo working. Uh, a couple of young acts we're working with at the moment, one called the Delta Riggs, uh, who are a really exciting young rock band, um, a young singer-songwriter, Jeff Chero, who's, um, who goes under the, um, the stage name of Montaigne, and she's a uh, triple, triple J unearthed. Um, uh, she came out of that, that process. She's got some music being played on Triple J at the moment. She's got an album coming out. Uh, and some other bands, which I just love, there's a, there's a band well, uh, called Sticky Fingers, um, there's an artist, the Cod String Tangle, who, who I love, and there's um, a, a young girl who's been on the festival circuit, um, TK uh, Maidza, and uh, and she is she's super talented. The the Australian, there is so much talent to come out of this country at the moment, and it's incredible when you when you're overseas, um, just the amount that people are talking about you know, the Australian music business, and you know, arguably, Lord, even though she's you know she's a New Zealander, but sort of people, I guess. You know, connect Australia and New Zealand together. You know, Sia, who I, you know, I mentioned before, you know, bands like Birds of Tokyo, Tame Impala, um, you know, Five Seconds of Summer at the moment, um, yeah, Gaultier yeah, recently. Yeah, yeah. It's a really, it's a really exciting time for Australian music. So, um, yeah, both at a local level and an international level, there's there's lots to lots to get excited about. We talked about the history with you guys with the with the business. Um, we mentioned Easy Beats, uh, JPY, Billy Thorpe. Um, you know, Doc and the Angels, the Tats. Um, what's your What's your earliest musical memory uh, within the family of that time? I. It's funny. I mean, I was I was relatively young back in those days. Um, I recall very well the opening night in Sydney of um, of Strictly Ballroom, and uh, you know that was a um, you know, something that that. Ted and and then unfortunately he passed away during the making of the movie. You know, then my my aunt, his wife, Popsy, took over. You know, from a um, executive production perspective, uh, mm. it was it was all about you know Ted seeing something in Baz Luhrmann, and that sort of defined you know Ted's Ted's business sort of life, which was was picking talent um, and then and then supporting them. It, it was the rebirth of a whole lot of you know sort of the Albert's catalogue, including you know the Love Is in the Air, which has sort of just gone on from strength to strength. Uh, and I remember the opening night and Paul Keating and and others, and just sort of thinking, this is such a remarkable 
you know, who would have thought that strictly boring, uh, uh, you know, sort of a story about or a movie mm. about ballroom dancing, um, you know, would have this local and then international success. And uh, you think about all the sort of the ballroom dancing shows now. Um, you know, a lot of it, you know, you arguably could be driven out of that time, and, and then even what Basil Ehrman's gone on, gone on to achieve. So, you know, that's something which really stands out to me as as what sort of makes has made Albert's, you know, sort of a special company. What's your um, what's your go to? Is it what's your go to track to get your mojo working? So, say you got something big coming up, you need to pump yourself up to go in front of. If you were going in front of a big audience, what's your go to track for mojo? Um, I'm, I'm a huge Birds of Tokyo fan, um, and they got a song called Lanterns, which I uh, which oh, I love. Right. I mm-hmm. Great track. I don't know if it necessarily sort of is the one that, that you know I'd, I'd run out to um, you know, sort of smash for a wall, but it's just a song that <laughs> I just just I just connect with. Um, my uh, it's maybe my embarrassing moment, but um, I'm also a huge fan of uh, Teenage Dirtbag Baby by uh, by Weta, So, um, oh. but that's that's one which I sort of only really play at home. So. Um- Tell us uh, your final question. What's your um, – you've, you've spoken about um, you've got a beautiful family and you are one of the few executives that's actually working in the music industry and in shape. You look fantastic. You've got a great family life. Business is good. What would be your one, one piece of advice to anybody to keep that synergy between work, play, family, community? What, what's, what's, what's your mojo tip? For, for keeping it all in perspective? Um, I'm not too sure that I do it that well, but uh, <laughs> I think it's, uh, yeah, breathing is one thing. It's, uh, and that, again, sounds a bit sort of, you know, sort of, you know, I've been trying to do a little bit of, a bit of meditation recently just to, you know, clear the head. Um, and I think it's it's just in ensuring that the various, you know, sort of parts of your life you, you respect. So, you know, I've got an incredibly supportive, you know, wife at home in Vic, you know, and anyone who, I would say anyone who's as a stay-at-home mum, uh, you know, I, I just think that's, that's harder than anything I do, you know, sort of um, running a family of four little kids. Um, but making sure that you, you give them the right time, making sure you give the business you know, enough time, making sure you give yourself enough time. Um, not always easy, and, and too often they sort of, you know, spread across each other. But, uh, yeah. you know, I made a, I guess I made a commitment a few years ago um, when the, my older kids, you know, started at school um, that I would ensure that I took them to breakfast every Wednesday. And so we, um, all the three, I take the three out of the four kids to breakfast, and in due course, when the youngest is old enough, I'll take her. Um, and it's just making sure you find time for what's important because um, otherwise time gets away from you and um, you, know, you wonder where it's, where it's disappeared to. Dave, we have to thank you, mate. This has been, uh, for both of us, for Rob and I, it's been awesome hearing the stories and the history um, of this wonderful company. It's, um, and, and the stuff you've shared, mate, has just been gold. So um, for, thank you so much for taking the time out. Oh, pleasure, guys. And um yeah, no, yeah, I love talking about it. So it's a neat, very easy, uh, very easy thing to, uh, yeah, to speak about and get excited about. Where can people um, learn more about? If we've got some budding musicians listening, or people who would like to learn more about um, you and the business, mate, where do they go to? Oh, look, websites mostly the simplest, um, which is just albummusic yeah. um, But you know, we've got Twitter and other sort of social media feeds. But uh, but I'd start with the website and. Um, you know, my, yep. You'll find my details on there and feel free to drop me an email. Keep the tapes rolling in. Is that right, Dave? Keep the tapes rolling in. <laughs> tapes. Yeah. Do they still do that? Do you still get cassettes? <laughs> Here's our latest track. <laughs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> we get everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's still hope for you, Robbo. You look at the the rack at the back of the studio here. There actually is a cassette deck still sitting there. Oh, it's a beauty. Believe it or not. 
There you go. Well, I was in a car recently with a guy who um, who had a tape deck in his car, and I thought, geez, yep. how often do you use that? He said, actually, I'd use it every now and then. So um, it, it was either a very odd car where they're trying to be very sort of a bit of a hipster, but um, yeah, it, uh, <laughs> you do see the odd tape around. There you go. See, the old, the old thing's still the best. That's, that's exactly right. Although you can't use a cassette as a coaster, unlike a CD. No, no, that's, that's, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dave, uh, we'll let you get on with your day, mate. Thanks for joining us in the studio and uh, hope to catch up for a brew soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Dave. Okay, cheers. Cheers, bye. Hey, bye. The Mojo Radio Show. That was just a great. Gee, I enjoyed that. I'm still bowing. I'm still on my knees. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. Imagine what must be in their business with the the vaults of old. <sighs> imagine stuff that hasn't been released. You'd want the carpet from this from the production studio to imagine. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> bit like he, bit like Voodoo Sound. That's it. Well, <laughs> I mean, your feet stick to the carpet in here, but you know, it's just awesome, isn't it? What a back catalogue and what a time of of the Australian music industry to be a part of too. Uh, and I think um, there wouldn't be a moment in any day go by where someone is not cranking out ACDC in their car mm. or at a party absolutely, or, you know, yelling out to a, a Rose Tattoo song mm-hmm. somewhere that some pub band is covering. You know, there'd be somewhere in the world right now, there'd be somebody jamming mm. to <laughs> Thunderstruck using a pair of some spoons and anvil there and you an go. accordion. You, you, <laughs> <laughs> but you look just at the, know it's going on somewhere. And, and look at the outpouring of grief for Doc recently when he passed. You know, that's yeah. it's just insane, yeah. isn't it? I reckon you could pick more than a dozen ACDC riffs and play them to anyone in the world and I can guarantee you they would have at least heard one of them. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, you know, I'm gonna, what I'm going to do now is I'm just going to finish this up I'm going to go and get my uh, ACDC box set out and I'm just going to jam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm but that. about to rock. <laughs> we salute you. We salute, and we salute our listeners. We salute you, Robbo, in the Voodoo Studios. I reckon that's sign off for this week, don't you? Done. Talk to you soon. The Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at The Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see garybertwhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out voodoosound.com.au and for the right voice, realtimecasting.com. Andrew Peters speaking. See you next time.